Welcome to Nuggets Nation, where you'll find the most up-to-date news, stories, and information about the Denver Nuggets and their organization. Brought to you by your host, Ethan Hinschel. Hey everyone, welcome back to Nuggets Nation. This is your host, Ethan, and I'm here to bring you guys episode 19, recapping game five of the Denver Nuggets five-game road trip and the game against the Philadelphia 76ers at home at Ball Arena this past Saturday. Today's Sunday while I'm recording. It's Sunday evening, just so you guys kind of have a time frame as to when I'm recording, just in case there's any NBA news that happens from the time I record to the next game. I don't want you to think that I'm not up to date. I am up to date. Sometimes there's just updates that happen while I'm recording that I can't do live because it happened after the fact and it takes too much time to re-record just because I don't have that time in my day. But on that note, I want to get into the Denver Nuggets against the New York Knicks. For those who watched the game, it was really ugly. Probably one of the worst games of the season for the Nuggets. Not probably. Easily one of the worst games for the Nuggets. Really what I meant to say was this could have been one of the worst games for the Nuggets they've played in a long time. I'm talking about season or two. But I don't want to blow that out of proportion. It was game five of the road trip. The New York Knicks are a really good team and they recently have made a trade to acquire OG Ananobi and he has been really good for them. So the New York Knicks are a really good opponent in game five of the road trip. Usually the last game of the road trip is one of the toughest games and they were coming off a big win, big win against the Indiana Pacers on the road. Though they didn't have Tyrese Halliburton in that game, the Indiana Pacers did play well and the Nuggets had to gut out that win. So unfortunately, they played a lot like they did in that game and if not a lot worse, which did not give them much of a chance to win this game at all. Pretty much from the tip-off, I would say that the Nuggets seemingly did not show up for this game. And as I said, usually the hardest games of the road trip are the last game. So this fell in line with that philosophy, if you believe in that. I do to some extent, but to also some extent, you've got to play and you can't just let down. So that was disappointing as to how they kind of just let down. That was not within their championship DNA, much less the Nuggets basketball that I've come to love and learn to watch, I would say. But on that note, the New York Knicks played really well. Pretty much every player in their starting lineup did really well in this game. Julius Randle, he stood out to me particularly on just all assets of his offensive game. For a while, Julius Randle was a player that you could depend on to score a good mid-range shot, but from three, he was going to struggle. And he has really improved his three-point shot, I have to say. I don't watch a ton of New York Knicks basketball living in Denver, Colorado, but when I do, just because of the time change, their games often start a lot when I'm in class still, so it's tough for me to watch that. But when I am able to watch them, Julius Randle and Jalen Brunson stick out, and they have been for the past, I'd say, season plus now, dating back to last year. And for all the big-time NBA commenters who talked about how Jalen Brunson can't be a number one player for a team, I think I'd like to push back on that narrative. I think Jalen Brunson's really good after having watched him in this game and over the course of the past season and a half, not every day, but good enough to evaluate him, I believe he can be a number one option. I don't think he's going to be your Steph Curry, your Nikola Jokic, your Joel Embiid, your Giannis Antetokounmpo, Luka Doncic. He's not going to be one of them, but he's going to be a fringe number one guy. And I think if you can kind of equate him in the same category as Jimmy Butler, the value that he brings to that team is tremendous. He's the point guard. He leads that offense. He puts guys in positions to succeed. He gets guys in the right spots to make shots and passes. Their half-court offense has really taken a notch up since signing Jalen Brunson. He's really made... I'd say he is what has elevated the New York Knicks to become a legit 
potential finals, sneaky finals contender in the East. I know all the talk this season has been surrounding the Milwaukee Bucks, rightfully so, the Boston Celtics, obviously, as they've been the NBA's best team so far this year, and the Philadelphia 76ers, who seemingly cannot get past the Eastern Conference semifinal game. So, and then... I don't think people are talking about the Heat, and their season has not been that good in terms of their win-loss record, but I don't think you can discount them when it comes to the playoffs. Eric Spolster is too good of a basketball mind, and Jimmy Butler is too good of a player, and just he is a gamer who steps and lives for those games. So I don't think you can discount the Heat, but beyond those three teams that are very good, I think the New York Knicks are right behind them. The East is pretty wide open, I'd say, in that second group, and the New York Knicks, at the bare minimum, seem to be leading that second group, and I think they are pushing on the doorstep of teams like Milwaukee and Philadelphia. Maybe not in terms of record, necessarily, but in terms of play, because the New York Knicks, they're good, and they recently just acquired OG Ananobi, who is arguably... I'd say one of the NBA's best defenders. I think he should easily get some defensive player voting. So that has a good impact. And just he's really good defensively. So when you have a really good defensive player like that and you're able to acquire them in a midseason trade, I think it really can elevate your team and the defense that your team can play because in the system that Tom Thibodeau likes to run, the New York Knicks are a big half-court defensive team. And they if they can get stops, then they can play the offense they want to play. But they rely on getting stops and rebounds. And he really can guard, I'd say, he could probably guard the one through five, but he can excel at guarding the one through four 100%. So he guarded Jamal Murray. He guarded Aaron Gordon. He guarded Michael Porter Jr. He really was all over the place. He had six steals in today's game, which is really nuts. And his presence is really felt. So the New York Knicks kind of have a small, big three of Jalen Brunson, Julius Randle, and OG Ananobi. And OG Ananobi, I believe, is going to be a free agent at the end of this season. I'm unsure if he's going to be a restricted free agent or unrestricted free agent. I will figure that out and include that at the end of this episode. So make sure to stay tuned for that. But on that note, OG Ananobi had 26 points, two rebounds, one of six one assist and six steals in this game for the New York Knicks. So he was everywhere. And I'd say he's been the him or James Harden are easily the best trades this season for respective teams. I think the trade of James Harden to the Clippers has gone a bit unnoticed because initially at first they struggled and now they've just been arguably the NBA's best team since the trade, I would argue. But I don't want to talk about James Harden. I'm talking about the Knicks and the Nuggets right now. And on the note of New York Knicks players, Jalen Brunson, who is an all-star, he got voted an all-star. Can't remember if he's starting or not. I also can figure that out and include it at the end of this podcast. But Jalen Brunson, who got 21 points, one rebound, and four assists, he didn't show up huge on the stat sheet. 21 points is good and four assists is respectable. But he did what was needed and asked of him. But the New York Knicks have guys like Josh Hart and DiVincenzo who also came up big for them in this game. And the New York Knicks could not miss at all. They shot the lights out from the three ball. They shot the ball tremendously well. And on top of that, they played excellent defense. And when you shoot the ball, lights out, and you play excellent defense, you're going to win a lot of games. And not only that, but you're going to win a lot of games and blow other teams out. And it's not rare that the Nuggets get blown out so it was a bit of an eye-opener, I would say. Um, I don't think it's anything to be concerned of as I started this podcast off of that narrative, but 
I do think it's right to shout out the New York Knicks and talk about how well they've played recently and how they really dominated this game and how the Nuggets have not looked that outmatched in a long time. So that was really impressive for the New York Knicks. So for New York Knicks fans, I think this is a game that you really can get hyped for. And as you look forward towards the latter push, latter third of this NBA season, like I think you have a good team for the playoffs. So kudos to you guys. But DiVincenzo had 16 points, 6 assists, and 3 rebounds, so he was making some big shots. Grimes had 19 off the bench. McBride had 13 off the bench. So when you guys get two players combining for 32 points off the bench, it's really tough to win in that game. But I don't know. The Nuggets went 3-2 and two on the road trip to kind of switch topics, transition a little bit. Nuggets went 3-2 and two on this road trip, as I just said. And if we remember and go back a little bit to a little almost two weeks ago now, crazy to think about. Before this road trip, I talked about how this next 7-10 to 10 game stretch that, they're in, that we are in the midst of being in is tremendous for the Nuggets season. So we started out going to Utah, getting blown out there, and then having to come back home and doing well there, beating Indiana. I think we had a two-game homestand, and then we won both those games. And then we went on the road for five, came home for two, and then play OKC. So that is a nine-game series. And right now, the Nuggets lost to the Jazz, which was disappointing, but they went 3-2 and two on this road trip and came back home from losing in the Jazz to going on the road trip to going 2-0, and I believe. So they're 5-6-3 and six and three in their last nine games, and they got Milwaukee and OKC coming up. But Denver at the start of this road trip, like I said, if they could go 3-2, and two, that'd be a great road trip. And on the podcast episode I talked about this, I talked about how hard winning on the road is. And I went through and talked about who had the best road record in the NBA. And I believe it was the Celtics and one other team. And those two teams were three, four games above 500 on the road. And the Nuggets now are one of those really good teams when it comes to being good on the road. And a three and two road trip might sound mundane and like just average, but it actually is good enough. And when you beat the Celtics and you beat the Pacers and you beat the Wizards, a team that you're supposed to beat, those are important good wins. So you can't really talk negatively about this road trip. The Nuggets improved to 14 and 11 on the road and they're 18 and four at home. So they have an elite record at home, one of the NBA's best records at home and 14 and 11 record on the road is really good. Teams that are better on the road are OKC, they're 15 and 9, which is an elite road record. Minnesota's 15 and 10. The Clippers are 11 and 10 on the road, and they're an elite team, and they're 11 and 10 on the road. Um, I'm scrolling through on ESPN right now, looking at teams on the road. The Boston Celtics are 15 and 9 on the road. So 15 and 9 is the best record on the road, and the Nuggets are 14 and 11. So they're only like a game and a half back for having the best road record in the NBA. So going 3-2 and two on this road trip and beating the Boston Celtics at home, who had yet to lose a home game this season so far, they were 20-0. You lost to the 76ers in a really tight game in which your bench struggled in a two-minute section in the fourth quarter in a game that you easily could have won. So you then beat the Washington Wizards, a game you should have won. Jokic dominated, so that was a great win. Then you beat the Pacers in a tough game. It's never easy winning road games, as I've tried to really explain and kind of hammer is that it's really tough to win road games as I've been hammering that thought process and the Pacers are a good team and though they didn't have Tyrese Halliburton they had their newly acquired Pascal Siakam it was his first game playing in front of an 
his Indianapolis crowd. So this was a big game for the Pacers, and they were coming off a bad road trip. They went 1-4 and four on that road trip. So this was a really big game for the Pacers, and the Nuggets were able to come on top, even holding the Pacers back from that incredible run they went on in the fourth quarter. And then following that, they were 3-1 and one at that road trip up to that point. So winning in New York would have been the cherry on top. So I think that's part of the reason why the way they lost in New York felt ever so more frustrating was because they had the opportunity to go four and one on that road trip, which really would have been like such an incredible road trip. But this doesn't mean it wasn't a good road trip. This was a successful road trip. Three and two is successful. Four and one would have just been incredible cherry on top. And I don't know if that's something that we should have expected. I, I didn't expect that. I expected three and two and I got what I expected. So on that note, the Nuggets had a good road trip. They came, they needed, as I said before, they needed to come back to Denver and handle their business. They had a two-game homestand against the Philadelphia 76ers with Joel Embiid, who was supposed to play. I'll get to that in a minute. And then on Monday night, they face off against the Milwaukee Bucks. So I'll bring you guys a recap after that game 100%. I actually might be going to that game, so the recap could be slightly delayed. It might be recorded Tuesday and then published Tuesday evening or posted Wednesday morning, but I will bring you guys a recap for that game, but I might be going to that game as to why that will be delayed. So we'll see, but to transition now to the 76ers game, just, it's frustrating. I don't really know what else to say. So for all you know, for all those who know why I'm sighing, you have a really clear understanding we were expecting that Joel Embiid was going to play in this game, and Joel Embiid didn't fucking play. And that's really frustrating as a Nuggets fan because he hasn't played in Denver since 2019. And I don't want to hear all this bullshit that he, that's a weird stat, you know, you're taking that out of context, whatever, whatever, whatever. But my response to you're taking that stat out of context is, even if I am, which I might be slightly, but I'm not because he hasn't played in Denver since 2019. And that is a fact. That is a fact. It's a stat and it's a fact. And whether you say it's taken out of context, it is what it is. Because what I'm about to say in response to that is the Denver Nuggets went into the 76ers home stadium in 2022 when Nikola Jokic did not have Jamal Murray, who was rehabbing from an ACL injury. Michael Porter, who was rehabbing from a back injury. He didn't sit out and he easily could have. And guess what? Not only did Jokic not sit out, the Nuggets fucking went into the 76ers building and won. So I don't want to hear this narrative that just because Tyrese Maxey and Tobias Harris were not playing due to injuries, that Joel Embiid was not even going to suit up because his team didn't have a formidable chance to win the game. You want your best player suiting up whether or not you have a chance to win the game or not, because if he doesn't suit up, you obviously don't have a good chance to win the game. And miraculously the 76ers were in the game but I'll get to the game in a minute I want to go on a bit of a tangent here and I hope I'm not annoying any of you with this tangent but I believe it's necessary and I believe it's necessary because when you have a star player like Joel Embiid who is the NBA's front runner for MVP right now and Nikola Jokic being the second leader you have two players two dominant centers arguably the NBA's best two players I'd say the NBA's best two players 100% I don't know how else you make much of an argument elsewise Joel Embiid won MVP last year. Jokic won MVPs the previous two seasons. Jokic won finals MVP last year. The Nuggets won the NBA championship last year. These are your NBA's two best players right now. You can make the argument that maybe Luka Doncic is a better player, but he does not have the awards that either of these two guys have. They are the two most awarded big men in the NBA right now, not including Giannis Antetokounmpo, who is coming to Denver on Monday. 
and Joel Embiid hasn't played since 2019 in Denver. So this was an opportunity for fans to see one of the NBA's premier players in Joel Embiid come to Denver. And unfortunately for Denver, the Sixers only come to Denver once a year because they are an Eastern Conference team. So when you have one opportunity a season to play the NBA's supposed best player, as a lot of analysts and reporters like to talk about, he didn't play. And there's a few things I'd like to point out about that. First, he was not on the injury report 24 hours before the game on Friday. So that's the first thing that's puzzling to me. The second thing that's incredibly puzzling to me is he was not on the injury report the morning of the game. And usually, if something has happened between the Friday, the day before the game, or whatever day it is before the game, he isn't injured, something can transpire from when that port when that report is released to the morning of the game. And that happens from time to time, and that is fine. But guess what? He was not on the injury report the morning of the game, as I just said. And this game was at 3.30 p.m. local time in Denver. And he was not injured. So when I woke up that morning, I thought, all right, Joel Embiid is going to play in today's game. And I was highly considering buying tickets to this game. Just as a FYI, I think it's important to acknowledge for all the fans who bought tickets to this game how disappointed that they were that they didn't get to see Joel Embiid play. These games' tickets were through the roof in pricing because... The NBA and Nuggets executives and ticket-setting price people were expecting that Embiid and Jokic were going to play for the first time since 2019. So this was a really important game, and Embiid didn't play. And not only that, but Embiid didn't get ruled out till half an hour before the game started. That's when I saw on Twitter, and the players and coaches didn't even find out till I'd say, five, ten minutes before the tip-off, apparently. And to slightly transition back to what I was saying about when I woke up in the morning, Embiid was going to play. He was not on the injury report, so the assumption is he's not going to play. Unless something bearing happens in warm-ups where he gets like, severely injured, which didn't happen, the expectation is he's going to play. And I was super hyped because I was thinking about how the Tuesday game against the 76ers was one of the best games in the NBA season so far, not just for the Nuggets, but one of the best games in the NBA season so far, and how we were going to get a potential rematch of that game even with maybe Tyrese Maxey and Tobias Harris being out, hopefully one of the two of them playing at the worst-case scenario. But worst case, you were going to get Embiid at the bare minimum, even if those two guys were playing or not. So you were going to get the bare minimum Embiid versus Jokic, which is what the NBA, ESPN, and ABC had been hyping up all week on their platforms. And all these guys were hyping them up before the game, um, whether it was Stephen A. Smith, Bob Myers, uh, other guys, Kendrick Perkins, and all these guys were talking about how we were going to get the matchup that we've been waiting for, and we didn't get the matchup. And it's incredibly disappointing, as you're telling by this, as you're not telling, as you're hearing by this monologue that I'm delivering and this tangent that I am on, because in this rant, and this rant is more than deserved, I believe. I believe this deep down that this rant is more than deserved, and how that... Joel Embiid does not play against the NBA's best teams on the road when it's not convenient for him, especially when he has a teammate out who is not playing, who is a good teammate and who plays well. So I think it's soft. And if Embiid is really hurt, that's one thing. But I'm really curious to see if Embiid's going to play in the game against the Trailblazers on Monday because the 76ers are on a road trip. And this was game one of the road trip. This was not like game four of the road trip where he could have been injured. This was game one of the road trip. And he played Thursday, the game before against, or not, this was not game one of the road trip. I take that back. He played Thursday on the road in Indianapolis against the Pacers. And he had 31 points. So he's, he seemed fine, and if he got injured after that game, why wasn't he put on the injury report? 
right? Right? Like I'm at, I'm like I'm asking the right question and I'm really curious as to why the NBA and what the response is going to be because I expect that the 76ers get a hefty fine for this. He missed a national TV game when he wasn't even included on the injury report. So much of my frustration stems from the fact that he was not included on the injury report. That's the frustrating part. It's more frustrating the fact it's frustrating he didn't play, but it's more frustrating that he was not on the injury report because everyone was expecting that he was playing. I don't think anyone was expecting that there was a shot that Joel Embiid was not playing in this game. So when the news came out half an hour before the game, Adrian Wojciechowski broke on Twitter that Joel Embiid was not playing due to what trainers speculated, that they didn't want him playing due to the way his knee looked, was what? That was the response, was just what? Like, no one was expecting that. How could we expect that? All week he had been healthy and for him to all of a sudden just go quiet and say absolutely nothing in the expectation that he's playing and then him not playing is a complete 180. And he wasn't on the injury report, like I said. So it's 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 just so frustrating and it, it makes you – the narrative that he dodges good teams continues when he doesn't play these games. And something that I'd like to point out that might be a bit out of context, but I think it's important to bring up nonetheless, is the 76ers went to Boulder, Colorado. For those who don't know where Boulder is, it's approximately 35, 40 minutes from Denver, 30 miles roughly. And the 76ers – met Deion Sanders, the University of Colorado Boulder's football head coach. He's an ex-NFLer, Hall of Fame player. He's an incredible player. Coaching, we've yet to see where he'll do, but we'll see. I'm not rushing to judgment there. But on that dinner, he literally is recorded on Twitter saying, don't dodge Jokic. Like we expect, assuming that you're healthy this year when you come to Denver, that you're going to play against Nikola Jokic. And he jokingly responded like, ha ha, yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll come and play. And Lo and behold, he doesn't fucking play. So, you know, I, ju- I just think it's soft, especially if he's going to play Monday in, Phil- in Portland and play Tuesday in Golden State. They have back-to-back. So all of a sudden, his knee's healed in 48 hours, less than 48 hours. He's ready to play against Portland, one of the NBA's worst teams, and then a struggling Warriors team that's below 500, easily the worst Warriors team we've seen since they've become a dynasty. So it's just, come on, man, like... We want these players playing, especially when the NBA is hyping them up, and then you don't see them play. So I think it's frankly pathetic. I think the Sixers should be embarrassed of themselves. Joel Embiid should be embarrassed of himself. If he's injured, okay. And I apologize for this rant then. But if he plays Monday, there's zero excuse. There's zero excuse. So it's it's so frustrating seeing that. And as a fan, I'm glad I didn't buy a ticket because that would have been a waste of money. I don't want to see the Nuggets go against a G League Sixers team that almost somehow beat the Nuggets, but now as I transition from that rant into the actual game, this game was really sloppy for the Nuggets. This is a game that the Nuggets easily did not deserve to win. Somehow, they did get the win, so I'm super thankful for that, but the Nuggets had no business winning this game. They played really sloppy, and Michael Malone kind of alluded at it at the end of the postgame conference was that the team was expecting that Joel Embiid was playing and they were scheming up to have him play so when all of a sudden he doesn't play and you have a whole new defensive scheme and adjustment it's a big change and I don't want to elaborate too much on that I think it was more just of a letdown and that's kind of what Malone and the players acknowledged was how it was just a letdown that Jokic not that Jokic that Embiid wasn't playing because everyone was expecting that Embiid was playing but I got a transition I can't just rant about Embiid 
there was a time and I did it <laughs> and it was plenty long enough as you guys will hear, but the game, the game was ugly. The Nuggets won 111 to 105. Fortunately got the win. They somehow rebounded. They played poorly in this game, but rebounded, not rebounded the ball, but rebounded from their game against New York Knicks to win this game. This is big. They need to win both these homestand games against the Philadelphia 76ers and the Milwaukee Bucks. Milwaukee game has yet to happen, but hopefully they win that and they play got they got to play better to beat Milwaukee. So Jogic was solid. He had 26 points, 16 rebounds, 7 assists. His stat line was better than how he played. He was 8-16 from the field, 0-1 from 3, 10-16 from the free throw line. He's got to shoot better from the free throw line. It was kind of an anomaly the way he shot from the free throw line, I'd argue, in today's game. Not like Jokic. Murray had 23 points, 7 assists, 3 rebounds. He shot the ball 8-15, 6-10 from 3. He shot the ball really well in the first half really well from three. He made three threes to start the game for him. So I thought it was just going to be a shooting game from the Nuggets because then after that, Michael Porter responded with three of his own. So I thought it was, oh, the Nuggets are just running them out the gym. And I thought it was going to be that, but it was not. The 76ers more than held their own. Paul Reed, Patrick Beverly, they all played really well. And you got to give credit when credit is due. And the 76ers deserve credit for how they played. They coached well, they played hard, and the Nuggets did not play defense for three quarters, like Michael Malone alluded to in his interview before the fourth quarter started. And the Nuggets did play defense in the fourth quarter. Fortunately, they were able to get some stops. And one of the biggest key statistics as to why the Nuggets won this game was in the fourth quarter, they had zero turnovers. Having zero turnovers in the fourth quarter is going to be a massive key and statistic for winning that game because in a close game and you need a closeout and win the game, not turning the ball over is going to be key and allowing 17 points is also going to be massive when you want to win. So the Nuggets did those two things that allowed them to get the win in the fourth quarter when they needed to. They even the season series against the Philadelphia 76ers and I think you got the win. There's no bad win in the NBA. It's hard winning in the NBA, especially coming home from a long five-game road trip. And Michael Malone also said that. It's tough. This is this is a hard game coming back. Your legs are tired. It's easy to let down, especially against the 76ers. And then it's easy to let down, especially when you think that Joel Embiid's playing and then all of a sudden he's not. So that the whole game was kind of a mess from the time learning about Embiid not playing to the rest of the game. It was just, it was a letdown. The whole thing was a letdown from a fan, from a player. The whole thing was a letdown. So fortunately they got the win. Aaron Gordon had 18 points, four rebounds, two assists. He came out big in the fourth quarter. KCP was valuable. Their bench was good. Peyton Watson is continuing to play better. I thought Christian Braun did a little better in today's game. I liked he seemed a little more aggressive though. He shot the ball twice on offense. In the half court, he at least seemed a little more aggressive. I just still, I need more confidence out of those two guys in the half court offense. Peyton Watson will play confident sometimes, not play confident other times. He just needs to do it more consistently. And Christian Braun just needs to play confident. And like the guys in the DNVR and girls um, alluded to, hopefully Zeke Naji can be traded at the trade deadline. I don't know what value he would have. He's going to be entering a four-year, $32 million contract extension starting in the 2024-2025 NBA regular season. So that's a contract that probably no one wants. $8 million is not a lot, but $8 million that he doesn't deserve, to be honest with you. So that's tough, but as we get ready for the game against the Milwaukee Bucks on Monday, the Denver Nuggets are currently favored by four and a half points. The game's at 7 p.m. local time. It's a big game for the Nuggets because on Wednesday, they go back on the road to face off against the Oklahoma City Thunder, so that is important for them. 
because we need to win this game because that game's going to be really tough. But as we continue to watch the standings, it's important to point out that the Oklahoma City Thunder lost to the Detroit Pistons today. The Detroit Pistons were 5-40 and 40 entering this game. They somehow beat the OKC Thunder by 16 points, I believe, 14 or 16 points. Kind of crazy. That moves the OKC Thunder to 32-14. and 14. The Minnesota Timberwolves are 32-14. and 14. The LA Clippers are 30 and 14, and the Nuggets are 32 and 15. So the Nuggets are currently half a game back of first place, though they are in fourth seed in the conference due to their winning percentage. The Clippers have played a few less games, and those two teams, Minnesota and OKC, have each played one game less. They have one less. Uh, they have one less loss. So the standings are really tight. It's going to be a really close finish and tight finish to end the year. Hopefully, the Nuggets can get at worst a top two seed ideally they get the first seed for home court advantage as it proves big for the nuggets with the altitude and in the playoffs as we saw in the spring but most importantly the nuggets need to play better than they played against the 76ers to beat the bucks Giannis Antetokounmpo is currently marked as questionable with an injury hopefully he plays because as fans we only get to see these eastern conference opponents once a year so not seeing Embiid and not seeing Jokic would really be a letdown, to be honest. You want to see the best players play. The players want to see the best players play. It's not fun beating teams when they don't have their best players out there because you know it's just a shell of who they actually are. But on that note, I do want to transition slightly and just say, for those who are not already following this podcast, please make sure to do so as I'm giving away a Nikola Jokic jersey to one of my first 500 subscribers that follow this podcast and follow any other social media platform that I'm on. I've slightly changed it. I know I said TikTok and I know I haven't posted on TikTok, which is something I'm working on. It's just a struggle, to be honest. So I'm doing that and hopefully I can get to that number to give away this jersey. I really want to give it away, to be honest. I have it. All right, I have yet to purchase it, but once the person who wins it, they will tell me their size and I will purchase the correct size for them. So if you're wondering, how do you know what size I wear? I don't. So you will tell me the size and I will purchase that size for you. So it will fit perfect and it's going to be the standard jersey, but I do want to give it away as an incentive to follow this podcast, but I need people to do so. So I look forward to giving away when I can. And on that note, one more thing I'd like to point out about the 76ers is, you know, it'd be really funny is if the 76ers finished one game worse than the Nuggets in a regular season record, and they somehow matched up in the NBA finals and the Nuggets got home court. They got four games at ball arena because Embiid decided not to suit up against the Nuggets on the road due to a potential knee injury that he maybe could have gutted through. And now they don't have home court. I don't know, just just some food for thought, something I thought I'd throw out there. I don't know, just just something. But And to answer the questions that I had posed in this podcast that I would said I'd get back to at the end of the podcast, I want to make sure I give you guys the answer so I don't leave you on an open loop. I'm closing that loop. OG Ananobi is an unrestricted free agent at the summer after the season, so he can sign with, with whatever team he would like. The New York Knicks, I imagine, will be a heavy favorite to resign him as he has fit well within their team. The second thing that I'd like to answer that I posed an open question to was Jalen Brunson is not starting in the All-Star game. And a third thing that I'd like to point out just for some clarification as I've re-listened to my episode as I've edited it multiple times now is that Joel Embiid met with Deion Sanders and the 76ers met with Deion Sanders in the preseason. The 76ers just happened to be in Boulder, Colorado, and they asked permission of the NBA and the Nuggets to meet with them because I know sometimes it might go against the NBA's policies and the Nuggets granted them permission as they didn't see anything 
too much of it and I don't see why it's a big deal at all but I just want to give context to where they met because they didn't just meet Deion Sanders before this game I want to make sure that's really clear that did not happen before this game that happened back in early October late August of the 2023 calendar year on that note though I would just like to say for everyone listening to this podcast I hope you have a wonderful day let's get a Nuggets win tonight let's make sure they win against Milwaukee Bucks finish this homestand strong and go Nuggets and make sure you listen to this podcast and all the other ones thanks